All right, so guys, in the room here with me now, it's been a long time since I've preached to a live audience, and so last week, and so I'm pumped to have you guys because I want to kind of poll the crowd just a little bit, if I could, so y'all give me some feedback. Also at home, you can play at home too, type it in the comments. Simple question, curious if you guys have an answer. What are you scared of? Something that you're scared of. Anybody want to chime in? Sharks? Sharks, and that's totally, I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been to the grocery store and been like, dude, a shark could get me here. Um, you know, sharks, sharks, that's a reasonable fear. Yeah, they're kind of scared. What else? Somebody said lightning? Lightning's a big fear. Yeah. Uh, anybody scared of spiders? Maybe you don't like spiders? Yeah. Sp- spider- spiders are creepy, okay? Like, I don't, you know, they're all right. They're cool, but I'd rather them not be in my bed. Uh, Mr. Brent, scared of raccoons. So you want to check, check out raccoons at his house. Uh, you know, what, scared of heights, scared of all kinds of things. Uh, do you have another one? No, no. Um, so we're scared of all kinds of things. Today I want to start out talking about fear, okay? Because some of the fear that we have, let's be honest, can be a little bit irrational. Okay, we can think, okay, I'm scared of, I'm scared of uh, snakes. Well, okay, that's reasonable most of the time, but let's be honest, snakes don't want you around them anyway, okay? So leave them alone, and they're going to leave you alone. Uh, but there are some fears that are pretty rational, aren't they? I've got a really good one. Can we just have a shout out for a second for uh, people who have ever ridden with a student driver? That's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, I've done it. You're like, what's going on? Like, who's in control here? I don't have brakes. I don't have a steering wheel. Uh, So that's why I think some of our biggest heroes are the uh, driver's ed instructors. Um, So if you love a driver's ed instructor today, okay, if you know one, send them a message. Be like, thank you. Uh, There are some legitimate fears where you could be in danger, you know, maybe in in a vehicle or in a bad situation. There are some other things that are like, they are fear in our life, uh, for years, I've shared with you my struggle in my life that I've dealt with, you know, anxiety and depression and things like that. And, you know, maybe you can relate to the fact that there are some fears you can't put your finger on. I'm scared, but I don't really know why I'm scared. And, and so I'm thankful for the people who have helped me through those moments in my life. But there's fear, 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 fear. The reason I'm mentioning fear so much is because it is real and it can be pretty crippling to our life. In fact, if we're scared of certain things, it can actually like rob us of joy you know we don't get to experience certain activities and certain experiences because we're scared of what might happen or what's out there the reality too is that some fear can make us miss out on the most important things like the promises that come from trusting God if we have certain fears in our life we can actually miss out on what God has got for us. And so this week, we're going to continue in our series that we're calling Pandemic Hope. I really enjoyed this series because, you know, if you're like me, you're tired of talking about COVID-19 and viruses and everything else. And so I like how this series title kind of pokes fun at that in a a light way. We want to have a different type of pandemic, a pandemic of hope. How many conversations have you heard recently that started with something about what someone was afraid of, fear? There's so much to be, quote, afraid of right now. I mean, all COVID-19 things that are going on, fear about, uh, you know, racial tension and inequality and injustice and what might go down with all of that, fear of uh, election season, you know, and I've seen multiple commercials on TV that depending, no matter who the candidate is or what they're running for, one of the first lines is, I'm afraid of what would happen if so-and-so got this office. It's, It's actually used as a technique to win an election. Fear. And there's so many things that can make us scared. But our goal is to spread something else. Hope. Like we want to build it inside of us. And we want it to grow inside of us and like overflow into the people around us. And hope actually can extinguish fear. 
Let's get into uh, something this week because every week our goal has been to look at a, a principle from the Bible that will help us spread that hope. If you've missed some of the ones that we've done in the past, uh, please go check out our podcast on basically any podcast provider. You can also watch the videos of our messages on, uh, I always like to kind of push our YouTube channel because it's fairly new since COVID that we've really been putting a lot of video content up there. So uh, youtube.com slash join the venture. That's our handle for most things. Uh, And check out those podcasts. Uh, But each week we've been looking at a different biblical principle that helps us spread hope. Today's principle on the surface may not seem super spiritual. But as I've studied it this week and gotten into God's word, I think it is. And I'm going to give it to you in a word. Today's principle is courage. Courage. We look to the Bible for God's most important truths. And there are many places in scripture where we are told to have courage. Uh, All throughout the Bible, Brent shared in the kids moment a little while ago the story of Joshua. I think he quoted from Deuteronomy, but also in Joshua 1.9. Multiple times in that chapter, Joshua is told to have courage. Let's read Joshua 1.9. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How encouraging must that have been to Joshua, as he was, basically he was facing what he knew was going to be a life of being at war with a very ferocious enemy for probably the rest of his life. And that's pretty much what Joshua did with his life. And God says, listen, I want you to be strong and courageous. The psalmist writes uh, in Psalm chapter 31, verse 24, listen carefully what it says. It says, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Now, this is the New International Version, but that Hebrew phrase, like, to be strong, can also be translated, be courageous. And so that's why I use that, because I love the, the tying in of both courage and hope in the same sentence. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. There's this element of courage that we've got to find in ourselves. And so today we're going to be diving into the book of Matthew. If you've got a book, Bible at home, uh, flip it open or look at it on your device. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, if you want to go ahead and turn there. We're going to be looking at a time when Jesus stepped into a pretty scary scenario for his disciples, and he taught them courage. And we're going to learn some things from him there. So uh, just to kind of give you some, some background there, first of all, Matthew is one of the first four books of the New Testament of the Bible. Remember, we call it a lot of times a biography of the life and teachings of Jesus. And in the book of Matthew, uh, particularly right before chapter 14, Jesus has just done some pretty amazing miracles. Uh, most notably, he has just multiplied a little boy's lunch, five loaves of bread and two fish is what it says, and fed 5,000 people. Pretty impressive. I know my wife does some pretty amazing things with leftovers, but there were leftovers from these leftover miracles. Like Jesus did some amazing stuff here. So the disciples had just seen all that, and and they're like, wow, and and they're blown away by God's power through Jesus. And so they had gotten in this boat. They're traveling. The text tells us that Jesus had gone ahead of them. He needed a break. You guys who have kids, you understand that, right? And I think Jesus felt that way. He's like, I just... So Jesus has gone over. We find out that he's kind of uh, sitting up on a hillside, and it's, it's a lake, so kind of an oblong lake thing. The, d- the disciples are kind of cutting off a corner of the lake while Jesus kind of walked ahead of them, and so if you can picture that. And that's where we pick up at Matthew chapter 14, verse 24, when the disciples, who I need to mention, are fishermen, many of them, so they're no slouch when it comes to handling a boat, but they hit like some pretty rough seas. And Jesus shows up in a very unexpected way. Check it out, Matthew 14, 24. It says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. In verse 25, it says, grab this sentence. A lot of you, most of you maybe have heard this story, but listen to verse 25. Shortly before dawn, 
Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Okay, we're going to get right into this. Jesus is walking on the lake. If you grew up in Sunday school or you went to a vacation Bible school, have you seen some Bible videos about it? You're like, yeah, Jesus walked on water. What? No, no. We don't, just, we don't just like taboo that. Like, yeah, people walk on water all the time. No, in defiance of physics, Jesus is standing on the surface of a large body of water and is walking on the top of it. And I personally believe that that actually happened. You know why? Because Jesus' life is peppered with supernatural events like this. Jesus is constantly, he was born of a virgin, that doesn't happen, and then throughout his entire ministry, he does miraculous thing after miraculous thing that defy physics and nature. It's called supernatural, and he causes things to happen, and then of course he dies, like we all do, but he raises from the dead, like nobody does, by his own power. The supernatural is all Jesus is, is his M.O. It's how he does things. So did he walk on water? Sure. I believe that. Like, that's the least of things to worry about, believing about what Jesus did. Back to verse 26. So the disciples saw him walking on the lake, and they were, this is probably an understatement, terrified. They said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. I've been in a lot of boats. I've done a lot of you know, watercraft things. I've even been on the water when it's been kind of rough. It was, uh, I think the early 90s, I was a, a young kid, and I was out on, I think it was the Albemarle Sound, if you know that body of water in northeastern North Carolina. I was with my granddad in a boat. They were fishing with some buddies of his. And I remember a storm kind of rose up, and uh, it's probably worse, it's probably not as bad as I remember it, but I remember being very scared. There was like lightning all over in the distance, and the waves started getting rough, and the wind started blowing. And my granddad started to get nervous. So I'm looking at him going like, well, if he's nervous, like maybe we should, uh, we should get out of here. So we're trying to get back to shore. I was scared. I was scared. Uh, but it was daytime, and there was no one walking on the water. So you better believe that these dudes were scared. I mean, it was the middle of the night. Remember, this is before the sunrise has happened. The weather wasn't great, so that's already not fun. And they see a figure walking on the water, and they assume what you would assume in ancient times. It's a ghost, which is totally reasonable. Because the paddleboard had not been invented yet. So, like, this guy should not be where he is right now. Uh, but verse 27, Jesus steps in like he does to ease their fears. It says, but Jesus immediately said to them, listen to this. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. What a great passage of scripture. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. There's our word courage. Another time where God is teaching us to have courage. And that's just the first half of the story. It's a really short story. To be like one of the most well-known stories about Jesus's life that there is, it's, it's a pretty short story. And we're going to get to the rest of it in just a second. But I want to talk for a minute about fear. Fear. It, fear happens without much forethought. You ever notice that? Like, if someone jumps, jump scares you in a dark corner, there's like, ah, like, you don't take a second to be like, should I scream like a little girl right now? No, you're like, ee! and then you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't made that noise. You know, like, I don't care how big and tough you are. If someone catches you unaware and unsuspecting, you're going to do something involuntary. It might just be a twitch, but you didn't think about it. You just, you just did it. And so I've been thinking about this question all week. You guys can, you know, make some comments or think at home, whatever. But like, the question I have is a bit philosophical is, do we have control over fear? Do we? And I did some reading online this week, and it turns out that the jury's kind of split. Like, some people are like, yeah, you totally have control over your fear. And other people are like, no, it's, it's, it's an instinct. Like, you can't. And so, I, I mean, 
I like the conversation because the, there, there is this nature of fear that's just natural, you know? It just happens, and you don't, like when someone jumps out and scares you, you just, but then there's like that prolonged cognitive fear, like it just sits in your head, and it turns around, and, you, and I don't know, is it a decision then? Is it a choice then? Do you have control over it the longer you have to dwell on it? But what I can tell you is what I've observed about people. And that is when something unexpected or unexplained happens, one of our initial reactions is almost always some form of fear. I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's go, let's say you walk to your mailbox, you open up the mailbox, you get an envelope inside, you open it up, and there is a large bill. I mean, thousands of dollars. You're like, and you see it, and you don't know, you didn't know it was coming, and it surprises you. Uh, or you, you go, this has been my experience many times, you go to your vehicle, and it won't start, <laughs> you know? And uh, maybe it's a car you've had problems with in the past. And so, so unexpected, uh, unexplained, and this happens, and you're going to get a lot of different you know, emo- emotions or reactions. You might have some you know, frustration or some discouragement or some like anger maybe. But somewhere in that mix, I'm going to guess, is some kind of fear. How am I going to pay this bill? Like, or I just got laid off. This is not, right? Or the car, man, the car keeps having issues, and how long is this going to last? Like, we just can't keep doing it, right? So there, there's, a, you know, we're complicated creatures, and so we've got lots of emotion, but I think that fear creeps in very easily and very, very soon. A, a recent one for all of us. Uh, do you remember the nationwide um, just uproar, spe- specifically the rioting that happened after the event with George Floyd? And so around the nation, there are cities just like there's rioting happening downtown. And like you might have had a mixture of emotions. You might have had, uh, you know, some outrage and some anger. Maybe you had some, some compassion or some empathy. Like there was a lot of emotions, but mixed in there, I'm pretty sure for a lot of us, if not all of us, there was some fear. Like what is going on? Like someone is going to get hurt or someone got killed. Another person or, you know, or, or thinking about the, the business owners or economy or just the general sense of fear in society. Like fear creeps in. It gets in there very quickly. And, and here's the thing. I thought about it a lot this week, and I've decided, and maybe it's just good to feel this way, but I think it's true, that that's okay. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have fear. It's okay, especially when things are unexpected. It's okay, and maybe you can't control all of it. I don't know if fear is a choice or not, and I don't know how much of it it is, but I, I do believe this. I believe that courage is a choice. You follow where I'm going? Courage isn't a reaction. Courage isn't an emotion. Courage is something that you have to decide to do. It's like a two-step process, at least, in courage. I've got to think, I don't need to do this. And then you actually have to take some, some, some action. Take courage. Grab hold of yourself and decide to face the fear. Wikipedia defines courage like this. It says that courage is the choice, is that word? The choice and willingness to confront Agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, intimidation. And it goes on and gives some good uh, examples of that. But it's, it's a choice. It's a willingness and it's an action. It's all of this together. And Jesus in just three little sentences, I mean some of them barely sentences, he gives like this workshop on fear and courage. The first phrase he says is, take courage. Take courage. Thanks, Jesus. Like, that's great advice. It's easier said than done. And you Think about the scariest time you've been in where you were out of control and you didn't have, 
you don't just take her take it from where like is it on the cabinet was it in my pocket did I, pocket did i do i need to or i'll take some courage please yeah and a, and a dr pepper you know like it's not just out there it's gotta it's gotta be driven by something it's gotta have some sound some sort of like meat behind it our brain needs to have reason logic to decide that i can have courage and so that and, and i think that's why jesus gives us a second little phrase he says take courage it is i he gives the disciples there something, some reason to have the courage. Uh, soldiers go into war, and they fight because of something they believe in. Maybe it's just a vow that they took. But most often, it's because they believe maybe their cause is worth fighting for, or the people back home are worth protecting, or their fellow countrymen need this. Or maybe it's because I want to put an end to this thing that I believe is bad in the world. And so there's a reason. And so all the time, uh, you know, uh, soldiers and police officers and firefighters and people who are in danger often when they're in their occupation, like it's, they believe something. There's something bigger than their choice that makes them decide to go into this dangerous situation. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples, listen, take courage, and let me tell you why. And this was actually a sentence from last week's message, if you called it. The Lord is near. Jesus is God in the flesh. He says, take courage, I'm here. I know it's scary, I know there's a storm, I know there's this guy walking on water right now. <laughs> but take courage. It is I. And then he gives us an action item. It's very brief. Take courage, it is I. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And you know as well as I do that that, that last sentence is probably the hardest part. Uh, you know, fear comes from a belief that you're in danger of some kind. But one of God's gifts to us is our ability to face fear with courage. Knowing that even though there's a legitimate threat, God is greater than that threat. And that you can move forward. You can take action. 2 Timothy uh, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul gives this little tidbit that's beautiful. And I love this chapter altogether. But this verse says, For the spirit God gave us did not make us timid, but gives us power love and self-discipline i challenge you to study that verse that's an interesting list Ch power love and self-discipline like maybe that's not even what you're like asking for <laughs> you're like wait i didn't need self-discipline i just wanted to not be scared no think about that study it on your own that's just food for thought discuss it if you guys are a house church that's something to ask yourself later what does it mean why do you think why do you think paul included self-discipline in that list the disciples see jesus walking on water and they're scared, and he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And so then we get to Peter. Okay, let's pick up the story again. Peter is the loud mouth of the group. He's the mouthpiece. He ends up being the leader of all the disciples. He does something unthinkable. Verse 28, he says, Lord, if it's you, okay, time out. If you're in a storm and you think there's a ghost walking on the water uh, and it talks back to you, apparently this is how you should react. <laughs> okay, prove it, Jesus. If it's you, tell me to come to you. That's what he says. And so Jesus goes, I, and I just think Jesus was like, okay, uh, come here, Peter. <laughs> so he, does, he tells him. And then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Again, if you've heard this story before, forget everything you ever knew about it and just think about that for a second. That is insane. But he does it. This story goes by way too fast for me. Like, I wish there was a moment where, like, you know on the show, like, The Office or Parks and Rec, a lot of these shows where, like, there's, like, a side room where the people are interviewed. There's, like, a confession camera, and they talk about the scene after the scene. I wish there was a shot with Peter, like, dude, I was so scared, man. I was walking on water. I could see fish underneath me. There were seagulls. Like, I wish there was a moment like that. There's not. There's not. It goes by just, it's a fast story. 
we don't get any of that. But I do want to tell you this. The average depth of the Sea of Galilee, according to what I've read, is about 80 feet. And Peter, who grew up around the Sea of Galilee, he knew that. And so as he takes a step out, he knows that this is insane, but he's doing it because of something he believes. And Peter goes from a place of fear to courage to action, really. It doesn't last very long. I wish it lasted longer. Uh, But as he gets out there, the waves start to beat up on him, and he looks up, and it says in verse 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And as he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And Jesus says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I just want to acknowledge what, what Peter does here is cool. And I, I would love to have just been able to see it, if not participated in it myself. And it's interesting that Jesus is like, you have little faith. And I don't think that he's like beating up on Jesus. But if you've ever coached youth sports or any type of coaching, you, you see the potential in someone. And you're like, oh, look. It was okay, but you can do better. You can run faster. You can jump higher. And I think he looks at Peter like, man, and I don't know this. I feel like I do know this. But like, if Peter had kept his faith in Jesus at that moment, could he have just walked all the way to the shore? Probably. <laughs> Jesus allowed it for long enough. But I'm glad that it happened the way it did because I am normal human. I don't know about you, but like, I get scared of stuff. And... I have found that even though we can find those first moments of faith and courage, sometimes it's even harder to continue to have the courage and faith. And you know why? Because the wind and the seas don't give up. Like life keeps beating you up. Life's not like, oh, hey, they took a step of faith. Everybody lay off. No, like life keeps coming at you. And so that this happens with Peter helps me know like, okay, all right, there's a step of faith. And even when when I fall and when I sink, Jesus is there. Take courage. It's me. Um, now, Jesus is going to give us one little last lesson, I think, in, in that, that last little sentence, this, this last little like, conversation with Peter that we just saw. It's, it's quick. It's kind of uh, you know, hidden between the lines if you look. But I think that Jesus, in his lesson on courage, he has shown that there's a connection between courage and faith. Like, if I can believe that God is going to take care of me, I can take a step of faith. And that even though things are scary and hard, I can take another step of faith. And all throughout Scripture, what we see God wanting from us is just one more step of faith. Like, he doesn't want us to run the marathon on day one. That would be great. But most of us stumble and fall. Get back up. Take another step. Get back up. Take two steps. And if you take, you know... Three steps back, it's okay. Take four steps forward. And do your best to look to Jesus. And we can look fear in the eye, and we can choose courage. It's a choice. And we see this throughout the Bible. We see this throughout history. You look at the Old Testament, and I I love the Old Testament, the story of the nation of Israel. It's like this revolving door of people having faith in God and turning their back on God, and faith in God and turning their back on God. And while they're facing God and having faith in Him, it is amazing the courage that they have. And they're able to face insurmountable obstacles and face enemies that are way bigger than they should be able to take on, but they take on. And they have prosperity in all kinds of angles. But then as the door turns around and, and the nation turns away from God, we see that they find themselves in fear. And over and over, you see that they were stuck and they were crying out to the Lord 
Come save us. Have you forgotten us? And God's like, I ain't forget you. You forgot me. Turn your faith back to me. And then God steps in the picture again. You see that all throughout the Bible, but you also see it throughout world history of people who are faithful to God. One of my favorite books to read, and it's been a couple of years, I need to get it back on my list, uh, is a book called The Hiding Place by Corey Tim Boone. Corey Tim Boone was a Holocaust survivor. She was in a concentration camp. And, uh, and she, talk about terrifying, okay? Most of her friends and family didn't make it. If you know anything about the Holocaust, it was a terrible, terrible situation. Yet somehow, if you read through her book, you find that she found this strength, this superhuman, abnormal, freakish faith. And she starts leading Bible studies in her little barracks with this little hidden Bible that she had for a period of time and memories, scripture she had memorized and hymns that she had memorized. And she found courage not only to have faith, but check this out. This is where it comes full circle to pandemic hope. To find hope in what was obviously a, one of the worst situations in world history. The hope that she found through that courage was contagious. And the other people there in the barracks with her, uh, there are testimonies of them saying, man, I'm so glad that I met her. And I'm so glad that she was able to lead me to God in this time of fear. There's a direct connection between our courage and our faith. There's a direct connection between our courage and our hope. And we've got to make sure that our hope is not misplaced. Our hope has to be found in the track record of God. We have to know that God has been faithful. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. For generation after generation, he has given us the opportunity to know him and to love him and to be loved by him. And he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Plant it in your heart. Read it in my word and know that it's true and let it overflow to the world around you. And check out how this story ends. It says this again in Matthew chapter 14. Now we're all the way down in verse 32. It says, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, which is a neat little element. Like, oh, storm's over, but that's cool. Verse 33, it says, those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. See, when we come through courage, uh, through fear with courage, and we find hope, our response needs to be worship. We can't just be like, oh, I was so tough, I was so brave, or it was just a coincidence, or things just worked out. No. We go to the Lord of hosts, and we say, thank you. That's why we do church on Sunday morning. That's why it's valuable to get on your internet right now and do this. Not because we love the style of worship, or the preaching is great, or, or the location is convenient, or what. It's because... I mean, God has seen us through so much, and we want to praise him. We want to praise him privately. We want to praise him publicly. We want to praise him corporately. And that's what we're doing here today, and that's what we can do every day. Because the world we live in is a scary place. It is. But the God of the universe isn't afraid of that. Take courage. The Lord is near. Do not be afraid. I want to close out this morning with a passage from the book of Hebrews. Uh, it, it's, it's great. Hebrews chapter 12. I would encourage you. This is very uh, a memorizable scripture. You should memorize it. Uh, it's one that I've put to memory many different times in different ways from different translations or different versions. But um, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, time out. This, this cloud of witnesses is, uh, is, uh, is typically understood as like the people who have gone before us in faith. In fact, there's this imagery of like you're in like a, an arena and there's all the people who have lived before us that have had faith in God. And there we are on the ground running our race and they've already run the race. And they're like, you can do it. You can do it. And I think this is so fitting. I was actually meditating on this scripture this week in thinking about the service we have for uh, Miss Rita this afternoon. 
and uh, that we miss her in the flesh. We know she's gone on before us, and now she sits among that great cloud of witnesses, and she's going, do it, go, you can make it, you can do this. So here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. There's a, a direct parallel in my brain between Peter and Jesus on the lake there. I mean, he's got his eyes on Jesus. He's walking on water. He loses his faith in Jesus. He falls down. It's just a picture for it. He says, this is about Jesus. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That to me sounds like courage. And that to me sounds like hope. There is hope when we set our eyes on who Jesus is. God in the flesh, who's offering us the path back to the love of God. And we set our mind on the track record of God, knowing that he has not let his people down Take courage. God is near. Don't be afraid. Have hope. Let me pray for you guys this morning.